This is an ABC podcast. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is The Conversation Hour with Rochelle Hunt. I think all farmers have a lot of hope. You hope it's going to rain again. You hope you'll fall in love and that you'll live happily ever after. What's the point of life? If you can't have some love. They've survived droughts and bushfires. But here's something they've never faced before. How do you think you go dating eight ladies? That's going to be scary. <laughs> well, The Farmer Wants a Wife is by no means a documentary. But people love the show. And whether you watch it or not, if nothing else, it's a good opportunity to look at the role of women in agriculture. What does it mean to be a farmer's wife? What if you marry a farmer, but you want to continue your line of work? What opportunities are there for women who marry into the farming and into the rural world? And what if you're a woman and you want to be the farmer? Not marry into, not be born into farming, but be a first-generation farmer yourself. Agriculture in Australia is still a male-dominated industry. Did you know that it wasn't until 1994 that women were able to tick the box farmer as an occupation in the Australian census? I had no idea. Still trying to get my head around that. And on top of that, there is a growing group of women that are challenging stereotypes and approaching farming differently and going out and doing it on their own. And you're going to meet some of those women today. So what are the realities of being a farmer's wife? Are you a woman in agriculture? Are you working, training? Are you born into, married into, or are you simply starting out on your own? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Kirsten Diffros is the co-host of Ducks on the Pond podcast, which is a podcast for rural women by rural women. And you'll probably hear her as a regular contributor on David Astle's evening program. Kirsten, the farmer wants a wife. Is it doing any good for women in agriculture, do you think? <laughs> Hi, Rochelle. Um, this is a great topic. Um, and I look... I, I don't think it's doing any bad. Um, it, it perhaps reinforces some of those stereotypes, but it also puts um, farming out there, which is a good thing. So it ticks that box, um, uh, but it, it kind of perpetuates that idea of of the farmer's wife and um, it being this kind of one-way road to ag, which it just isn't for women like the only way that you can possibly be involved in ag is to marry a farmer and that's that's not true um and it's always about the woman you know going with the man i would love to see it in reverse i would love to see female farmers (laughs) marrying men because they they are out there you know looking for a partner i've got plenty of friends i i even contacted one of the producers via Instagram from the from the television show and they were lovely and they, they wrote back to me and they said, oh, look, you know, for this season we're not considering it. And I said, I've got plenty of female friends who would be great. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> as you're going to hear later in the show too, you might be a woman and you might have a wife, you know, looking at same-sex couples within the yeah. farming world, single women within the farming world as well. In terms of, 
I guess, the distance that you need to look at, especially if you do marry into it and that's something that you choose to do. This is something that we've looked at in the past on the Conversation Hour and how, okay, well, maybe you don't want to go down the, the line of agriculture and you want to stay with the line of work that you're doing. Distance and the tyranny of distance, how problematic is that? And has COVID made that a little better in that we can see now that a lot of work can be done remotely? Yeah, it's really changed things for uh, the, the better, obviously not COVID. We, we do not like COVID, but uh, this ability to w- work remotely and be connected to a job in the city or an industry that's typically that the headquarters are in the city has been a, a huge change for people who live on the land um, and particularly um, women because uh, women who work off farm, um, it just allows them to be connected to a job that perhaps they couldn't have been connected to otherwise. Um, but yeah, distance is is a huge issue. Um, it just it factors into your life in general when you live on a farm. You know, I, my kids' school is forty minutes away. Um, I really have to plan out my week because I don't want to be going into town every day because it takes a lot of time away. Um, yeah, I, I can't sort of go 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 to the gym in the morning and then come and do work, or I can't do it at, at night. I'd love to go to a class at night, but I, I can't and manage the kids and, and also work. It's those small realities, hard. isn't it? The changes of just the little things. So you think, oh right, okay, I can't do that now. Yeah, yeah, and it's look, it's, it's part of it. But there are huge benefits of obviously living in the country. I'm looking out now um, at beautiful fields of, of green grass in southwest Victoria, and, and I'm looking at some sheep wandering around. And geez, in COVID, you really appreciate that mm. more and more. But yeah, and, and I mean, just moving, I think for anyone is hard. Um, and when you get married and you settle down and have have a family, and you're on a farm, like that's really settling. Like for me, who who I grew up in Sydney, and I moved to Melbourne, and happily lived in Melbourne for eight years. And my mum was always thinking one day she'll come back. And then I went and married a farmer even further away, and she thought, right, okay, that's it. You know, it's kind of going, yeah, I'm not going, I'm not living in Melbourne anymore. I'm not going to go back to Sydney and, and have my family around me. And that's like that's a big ask. Yeah, you know? it's huge. Yeah. Kirsten Diprose is with you. You may know her, whether it be from her podcast, Ducks on a Pond, but you may know her occasionally. You do the weather. You are a reporter here. You're a presenter for ABC Radio as well, Kirsten. Hey, let's have a chat with Amy. She's in Seaford. Amy, welcome. Oh, hi, Rochelle. How are you going? Good. What did you want to say? Oh, I can definitely relate to um, what Kirsten's saying um, from the perspective of as a family member. Um, my sister married a farmer in 2016 and he has a farm about 20 minutes out of Horsham in Western Victoria and we grew up um, close to Frankston and she met him at the country races and after um, a few years driving back and forth made the big move um, to a small town outside of Horsham. Um, and was it a big decision for her to move from Frankston to Horsham? Um, yeah, it was. She she gave up a job... Um, at the Royal Children's Hospital at the time, but was able to um, find work through the Department of Education, which um, she still works in to this day, and they also now have two children. When uh, Kirsten, you were mentioning before too, just being away from family is a big part of it. Amy, how do you find being you know that far away from your sister? Oh, I'm kind of used to it now, um, but she unfortunately um, broke her Achilles pain netball about um, four months ago. So that made it really challenging because she couldn't drive for about three months. So having two small children, but um, she's lucky she has great support from the community and my parents were also able to go up and help. 
And I think you've just, like, from... She's just great at being um, involved in the community up there mm-hmm. and she's really embraced the lifestyle and what it offers and made some fantastic friends and, and also has a friend who is a female farmer and um, has made a career change from um, doing teaching to working now and running the family farm. And um, she's just amazing and... Um, I'm so glad to hear. Amy, thank you. Kirsten, there's a text here from Millie who is in Serviceton in Victoria. It says, I moved from Cronulla in Sydney to the West Wimmera and married a farmer. I married into it without any farming background. We've got three kids. We've been married 10 years this year. I love it. A lot of people in Sydney used to ask if we actually met on the TV show and we didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I get asked that all the time. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. so funny. I don't know if it is funny or not, but it's it's <laughs> it's making me laugh. Or I get asked if I, if I met met him while while reporting, which which I didn't either. No, um, I was in Melbourne. I always say, uh, you know, I was in Melbourne. I didn't mean to, to to meet a farmer. He was in my territory, and we just met. Um, so there you go. But yeah, I've been married eight years now, and it's it's a big a big change. Let's have a chat with Caroline. She's in West Gippsland. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Rochelle. Hi, Kirsten. How are you guys? <laughs> what do you think? Well, look, I've got a funny story about Farmer Wants a Wife. Um, nine years ago, I lived in Brisbane City and I was obsessed with the show. My friends thought it was hilarious. Um, I moved to the area and I became a farmer myself on my own and I was sick of dating in the, in the very small pool that it is. So I, I emailed Farmer Wants a Wife and I suggested that they put someone like myself on the show and because um, I'm in a very sort of niche farming community um, and they responded to me to suggest that perhaps I could um, just choose from the male farmers that were available and... Um, <laughs> And I, I politely refused um, and I suggested that in, you know, in this modern day and age, it's about time we had a, a female farmer on the show. And, um, and then by, uh, you know, I'm sure it was by sheer coincidence that on our Facebook community groups, a representative from Farmer Wants a Wife then put the call out for a male farmer to come on the show. A female farmer. <laughs> No, for a male farmer. So in, they wanted a, they wanted, so I'm a beekeeper and they wanted a male beekeeper to apply to come on the show rather than putting a female beekeeper on the show. It's interesting too because I think there was one episode where they did have a female farmer, but farming just becomes so gendered. Like, Kirsten, there's even a text here that says, oh, Rochelle, whenever Jono's away, you do a gendered-based program. And I don't know whether that's the case, but with farming, it does become stereotypical and it does become a gendered chat for some reason. I, I think it's just because it's it's been slower to move than other industries and, and perhaps that's why. Um, and, and, and because... Still, um, you know, I think it comes down to, to farm ownership. Um, traditionally, it would go to the boy, and that's changing now. It's, it's going to to the girl or whoever is, you know, whoever wants it. But often, the way it goes is that you inherit farm. It's very let's, let's be realistic. It's really hard to have a farm if you, um, you know, if you 
if you don't inherit it, um, it's possible, but it, it's really difficult with prices being the way that they are. So there's this kind of old succession thing that, that has happened and that's just going to take a bit of time to change. Um, it definitely has changed. And then, of course, it's just this, so it just means that then women are moving into this world as the ones marrying the, the men um, and, and finding their feet. But there are so many ways to get involved. And um, one of the people that you, you spoke to mentioned community and I immediately got involved in the local community and that's great. Um, and, and you can get involved at, you know, not just making, making the cakes, which is good, but, you know, get involved in uh, actually becoming, uh, taking a, a position um, in the community. And I actually interviewed um, Kathy McGowan, who was the former member for Indi, um, and she uh, spoke about, like, you know, actually taking positions, becoming, you know, the secretary at Landcare and then becoming the president and then going to the state conference and the national conference and getting involved in agriculture in a way that is impactful and you can have a, have a role and have a say. And, and that happens in agricultural communities and that's how women are often kind of brought into the fold. In just a moment, we're actually going to speak with a woman that dedicates her, of, you know, born into a farming generation herself, but she dedicates her studies to looking at some of the bias and the stereotypes uh, around farming. But before we do, let's have a chat to Alison, who's in Ferntree Gully. Hi, Alison. Hi, Rish. How are you going? Good. What did you want to say? Um, my cousin uh, wrote into the very first Farmer Wants a Wife that the Women's Weekly magazine run ran about 18 years ago and ended up uh, marrying a farmer and moving from New South Wales to Queensland and the two kids and happily married. So it can all work out, just tied up with a little bow at the top. Hey, that's it. It worked out for them. So, yeah, no, it was, was good. And do you miss her? Like when we talk about moving away from family, how did, how did that work out for you? Uh, yeah, look, she's she's constantly saying, "Come up and visit, come up and visit." So, and I think you know she does she does miss the the family because she's the only one really that lives in Queensland, whereas we're sort of New South Wales, Victoria. But yeah, and what does she do, Alison? Has she taken on farming as her line of work, as her career, or did she stay with what she did? They they split their time between Brisbane and the farm, and the drought really hit their farm hard so they they still run the farm and I think they go up usually about every weekend um, but they also run sort of a garden maintenance business as well as she, and she's sort of a businesswoman that runs other things so they've kind of combined their skills I think. Yeah that sounds really great. Good on you Alison mm. thank you this text. Rochelle what an amazing conversation. How long will it take for society to accept that women can be farmers or have fantastic careers in agriculture and that's something that we might get to as well because the careers in agriculture that's one of the areas that is just going through the roof and there is a lot of young women that are really breaking ground there. The text goes on to say there are so many amazing women doing just this. I run an irrigation beef farm, have a degree in agricultural science. I have an amazing professional career in ag in Victoria, and I'm very passionate about sustainable agriculture. That's from Jenny. Kirsten, let's bring in Dr. Lucy Newsom. She is a lecturer at the University of New England at the business school there. Lucy, that text from Jenny there, women are really breaking incredible ground when it comes to agriculture. Do we just need to think outside the square of what farming means? Yeah, I think you're right, Rochelle. It's so interesting because 
farming is always, as we were saying, you were saying earlier in the show, such a masculine uh, construction of what it is to be a farmer. So I think it's something like 90-odd percent of all Google images, if you put in farmer, will come up with a bloke. So there's still this idea that what it is to be a farmer is to be tough and resilient and strong and masculine and dominant. And I think it's really about how we think of the farmer rather than who is actually doing the farming because women um, have always been involved in farming, back to Elizabeth MacArthur, but it's kind of marginalised because of this idea of what it is to be a farmer is based on uh, male lines. It wasn't until 1994 that women could tick the box as farmer in the Australian census. I can't quite get my head around that, but it's true, isn't it? It is true, and I can't believe it either. I mean, both sides of my family, the generations, the women have been heavily involved. So you're right, there's these legal um, restrictions around recognising women. And one of the earlier callers, I think it was Amy, mentioned their economic barriers around succession as well as being as limiting women's legal uh, ownership of land. So even though women have always been, I think, heavily involved in agriculture, their visibility has been constrained by you know, these social and legal and economic mm-hmm. factors. Lucy, I'll put this to you first and then I wouldn't mind getting your response to this, Kirsten, as well. There's a text here from Dave and it says, My sister married a farmer many, many years ago on a remote farm, but now that relationship has become rocky. She's feeling extremely isolated and lonely. Is that something, I mean, not that you want to consider, well, what if this relationship doesn't work out? But if you are in a remote and an isolated area and maybe that relationship does break down, how problematic is that? due to your geography? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. So geography is a, can be a problem as well as um, this, like the daughter-in-law phenomenon um, can create a bit of, problem because, of problems in farming families because to be able to keep the, farming, um, the farm enterprise going, the farm generally needs to stay intact for economic and financial reasons because uh, you need to own like, quite a large degree of equity to make it viable and then if there is a divorce, there's this fear within families that the farm then gets broken up, um, which, you know, can create limitations on it being passed on to the next generation and all of those emotional connections with land. So there's a geography factor, um, which is a really good point, and then there's this economic fear mm. around the farm being broken up and, uh, you know, and the rural ideal, which is that, in rural communities, we are nicer and more stable and more down-to-earth than the city counterparts can really rub up against um, against families who are, in, uh, who are having um, a conflict. So, yeah, there's a few different factors involved in women's experiences when they may divorce from the farmer or the male farmer. Kirsten, is that something that you've looked at with your podcast or that you've discussed with other women? I uh, haven't looked at it with the podcast yet, but definitely something that, that we will look, up, look at. Um, and, you know, look, I, I've got a lot of friends who, you know, most, some, some of their relationships haven't worked out and, um, and they've moved from a city location and they've stayed in the area. Um, and I think it probably has to do with how long you've been in, in an area and the, the connections that you build, just as how it would be if you moved anywhere um, and, and then having kids, you know, once, you, once you've got children, you want to be somewhere where ideally, you know, mum and dad are around and you can work out a, a way to, 
to, to share the children. And it's definitely it's definitely difficult um, when your when your own family is is somewhere else. And I've seen that happen. And I guess I can speak from my own personal experience when I first met my now husband. Um, it was quite important to me, and, and this sounds so old-fashioned and, and it's so not what my headspace is normally, but it was important for me to get married before I moved because I wanted to know that this, this commitment was real before I moved my whole life. You know, I'd seen other women just sort of like move and to, to be with a, with, a, with a guy for a few years and then it doesn't work out. You've moved your entire life, changed your career, and I thought I'm not going to do that without knowing that you know, we're in this. And of course, marriage is just a piece of paper at the end of the day, really, isn't it? Um, and you can you can throw it out the window. Yeah. But for me, I just wanted to, to know that. And and I, I moved into farming really slowly. Like I still work in Melbourne. I got married and I still worked in Melbourne for about a year or so before I um, then kind of moved geographically. And I still really kept strong ties with Melbourne and, and with the ABC, which was my job. I didn't want to leave it. And people would say to me, why do you travel to Melbourne? Why are you still working? You know, you're doing your head in. I said, no, I'm saving myself. I think I would die if I just made this huge Huge change. I did it really, really slowly. And now I actually, you know, I do a lot of the books and I'm involved in uh, aspects of the farm, but I wasn't at the beginning. I've just slowly, slowly have, have done it. And that works really well for me. Talking about women as pioneers of farming and the huge shift that we're seeing, this text has come in from Claire. I come from a pioneering farming family in northern Victoria. I have great aunts in the late 1800s and early 1900s and onwards who, whose husbands died early and they had not continued the running of the farms, looking after the workers. Not only, sorry, not only did they continue to run the farm, look after the workers, but also brought up many children. When you read their obituaries in the local paper, you really find out how prominent these women were in the communities and what they achieved. That's from Claire. And this that says, born and bred on a farm, studied ag science, now in my 30th year as an agronomist. I probably haven't even pronounced that correctly. It's the best <laughs> job ever outside helping farmers achieve their goals, forming friendships for life. I've travelled the world. It's the best practices. Australian farmers are as good as I've seen. I know when I started on this program, and with my former co-host, Mr Warwick Long, he would drag me along to agricultural conferences and ag tech conferences and I just learnt so much. And I have to say, Dr Lucy Newsom, time and time again, there were young women that we were meeting and that I was finding out that were the most excited and passionate and forward-thinking when it came to agriculture. And it was really great to see and it just blew any stereotypes out of the water for me. So great to see, isn't it? And I think with the previous text that you read out pointing to um, careers beyond farming um, that are still in agriculture is a really good point to make. So we've just done a study that found that women um, are starting their own entrepreneurial professional service that, uh, firms such as with agronomy, like your previous uh, the previous text, but also with HR and IT and benchmarking and succession planning and legal or ag tech. Um, and so agriculture, yeah, is a very dynamic uh, sector and it's not just farming that we've been seeing women uh, become more and more prominent in. Let's have a chat to Anthea, who's in Hamilton. Hi, Anthea. Uh, Athena, but hello. Oh, Athena, <laughs> apologies. No, all good. Um, I was just, I'll be quick because I'm moving a mob of sheep. 
but I um, just got sick of my corporate job with working from home so much in Melbourne with, with COVID and moved out here a couple of months ago to get some farming experience and it's been amazing. And had you always wanted to do that or was it just on a whim? Where did it come from? Um, I've always wanted to do it, but um, it just sort of, you know, happened. I just got an opportunity. I thought I'd take it. Um, I'm going to have to go now, but I just thought I'd say a community is a really part, important part of um, living out here as well. Oh, good well, on you. Athena, Thanks so much. can, Thanks, can the producer get Athena's uh, a number and um, we should have a coffee if she's at my area. <laughs> Welcome back to the town. Sounds good. Oh, I guess that's something, you know, we hear a lot and how real it is, who knows, that people are, because of COVID, maybe lost their work or reconsidering what's important to them in life, like Anthea, have gone, you know what, I've always wanted to do this and I'm going to move and I'm going to tree change or sea change or I'm going to become a farmer. I mean, Kirsten, you were talking before about, you know, how much effort you put into that transition and how long that took. Are you slightly worried about maybe people that think, I'm just going to become a farmer and I'm going to lead this great life like I see on The Farmer Wants a Wife? <laughs> yeah, look, um, you definitely need an, an element of resilience. It's a wonderful life. But if you have this idea that you're going to kind of buy a block of, block of land out somewhere, you might have to face the reality that there's not going to be any sewerage. You might have to do that yourself. There have been people who, who do this and they, they, there's, like, there's no services. You've got to um, organise your waste, uh, you, your rubbish, and what are you going to do with it? It can be a lot of work. Um, water can be um, an, an issue, like just getting plumbing. You know, you want to have a garden. Um, and I have this current problem. Um, our bore water is too salty and I can't grow things. Um, so we're going to have to, you know, get water from a dam. And I live in a high rainfall area, but things will obviously die in summer. Um, so there's just these kind of realities that things are just really easy in, in the city. And sometimes I miss that. It's like I, I shouldn't say that, but, you know, just being able to flick on a switch and everything comes, you know, everything works. Uh, it doesn't always work like that in the country. Um, but, you know, it, it is a good life and you you form a, com- a community really, really easily. You, you, you arrive and you get involved and people will welcome you with open arms. So I would encourage people to do it because it is a good life, but some of those city niceties might not, might not be there for you. Dr Lucy Newsom, my final question to you is how important has it been and maybe time yet will we'll tell that. And this is a text from Julia that says that don't forget that the current VFF president, so the Victorian Farming Federation president, is a young professional female, Emma Germano. She's also a farmer herself. Women are definitely leading in ag. Given that Emma, she's very well-spoken, outspoken, passionate, available, uh, I don't know a lot about agriculture, but every time I've spoken to her, I felt like I've learnt something. I felt like I can ask her all the stupid questions and she won't roll her eyeballs at me. How important is someone like Emma in this conversation? Um, That's a great question, Rochelle. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that what we think of as a farmer is male, a a man. So having those highly visible uh, representatives uh, like um, the VFS and National Farmers Federation presidents, you know, like Fiona Simpson, they really disrupt who, what we think of as a farmer. And also this idea that farming is so much more professional these days and more complex and more competitive. So having a professional woman is pretty representative of who farming the farmer is actually in today um, in today in Australia. So, yeah, I think visibility is always an important thing with disrupting stereotypes. And I know that you're from 
many generations of farming, Lucy. I know this is what you study, but have have you ever been a practicing farmer yourself? Uh, yeah, so I was. Um, I've always been involved in our family farm, and I've had little senses of managing it over the years when um, there's been bad droughts or illness in the family. And uh, now I just have a small block uh, and. I grow a bit of food and have my horses and, uh, yeah, um, help my brothers out when things are um, things are tough in terms of the, the drought and that sort of thing. So, And can you watch yep. the farmer once a wife or do you just spend the whole time <laughs> tutting and yelling at the telly? <laughs> I, I would, yeah, like, I would like it to be a, the farmer wants a non-gender specific yes, you know, partner. Exactly. <laughs> well, we're going to or speak the- to two women that are married a little later that are running their own farm, so we'll be able to do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. Lucy, good on you. Dr. Lucy Newsom, she's a lecturer at the University of New England Business School. Kirsten Diprose is with you as well, co-host of Ducks on the Pond, a podcast. You may also know her from being a regular contributor on David Astle's evening program. You're still quite involved with the ABC as well, Kirsten. You know that from you know hosting Saturdays and, and different regional programs and the weather uh, as well. You know what I'm finding interesting here is lots of texts coming in talking about their mothers or their grandmothers and the taking over of the family farm, especially when the dad or the husband died? Because, you know, it wasn't that long ago where men, and in particular farming men, they would often die at a, at a younger age and the women would then just take over, just pick it up from, from where it is. Yeah, I've met um, quite a few women who have been in that position or have had a brother die and then they they take over the farm and have had to step up and, you know, I can't imagine, you know, having young kids and and facing that. Um, Look, for me personally, it's a a slight fear. My own father died when I was two and, you know, we lived in the city, but I know how hard that was for for my my mother. Um, But then to to put that in a farming context, um, yeah, it it kind of scares me. And and I used to, uh, you know, it kind of encouraged me a little bit I think it's like that when you when you dig down about the psychology and I think, gosh, that's really motivated me a bit to really understand the business more and know what we're doing and I've thought about, you know, like what would I do and there's a lot of support there and, and I also farm with my um, my in-laws so my my husband's parents are, are still on the farm and, and I've got a very supportive community. Um, but it's a it, it would be a massive task to take on. You know, farming's a business and I think people forget that. They might think it's like a, a small block, but farming can be a really big business with a lot of parts to it. Yeah, yeah it's, absolutely. It's, it's a big thing to take on. Well, there's a text here that says it's a great life, but you need to take those road, rose-coloured glasses off to be able to survive, especially if you're the daughter-in-law in the family farm Resilience and patience is called on a daily basis. I dare say you would be nodding at that. Uh, look, I'm so lucky to have great in-laws. I really am. Um, you know, I, I view my father-in-law as very much a mentor to me in in, in showing me how to do things. Um, you know, my husband, I love him dearly. He doesn't have the patience. <laughs> so my father-in-law has been really great at showing me stuff. And I, I guess, you know, with your own husband, I don't take kindly if he's, you know, yeah, that's uh, right. frustrated with me. <laughs> yeah. I'm likely to be just as frustrated back. <laughs> yeah, You'll so say I'm things that you wouldn't say to your father-in-law. Totally. Yeah. Kirsten, thank you so much. Um, lots of people have been texting in and saying how much they love your podcast and that they still you know, know you from a lot of the work you do with the ABC. So thanks for your time. It's been really interesting.
Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me, Rochelle. And yes, I love um, all these people who are texting in to, to listen to the podcast. It's very much a, an interactive thing. I do it with Jackie Elliott, who's um, a, another great rural woman. So yeah, thanks for having me, Rochelle. Good on you. Kirsten Diprose, she's the co-host of Ducks on the Pond podcast. And as I said, you may also recognise her voice from being a regular contributor with David Astle. Lauren's in Wandon. Hi, Lauren. Hi, how are you? Good. What did you do? Um... Well, I grew up in in a city, Melbourne, and my husband inherited his uh, family farm a few years ago, and I had a massive career change. I went from working in an office to working on a farm, and we love it. And and what sort of farming do you do? Um, we breed um, black Angus cattle. So I'm in the middle of a paddock at the moment with all my cows around me. <laughs> I love that. So, okay, what was it like? Was it what you expected? I mean, there's a text here that says, oh, the farmer wants a wife show. I can't believe the majority of the population watch that crap. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what was it like? I mean, was it everything you expected or was it the complete opposite? Um, it's sort of, yeah, I think it is everything that I expected. There's, really good bits and there's really bad bits and you have to deal with it all and it's it's more of a lifestyle than work really i mean it is work it's part of our business but it's a lifestyle and it's it's 24 7 isn't it i think that's the thing as well there's no okay i've finished for the day now great i might just put my legs up and have a cuppa Correct, yeah, and there's things that happen because you're dealing with animals and, and like storms, for example, the storms that we had in Melbourne um, a little while ago, you know, you, you might have to drop what you're doing because I also do other work from home as well, So, and my husband does other work. So this is sort of, um, you know, we have you know a few different things that we do, so some things have to get dropped and you have to go to the farm and deal with what's happening there. And so was your husband already a farmer or did he make this big change as well? Um, well, he, so his grandparents bought this farm, um, and then it was, um, passed on to his dad and he used to work on it when he was younger. Well, you know, he would be around as a child. He grew up, um, sort of being on it, but the farm, you know, he actually grew up in Melbourne as well. So he's more of a city boy, but he's a country boy as well. Um, and he hadn't been on the farm for many, many years. He hadn't been doing stuff for a while. So it was a big change for him as well to go back to farming. Um, but, yeah, he's really enjoying it too. Well, you're out there and you're busy and you've got your hands full, so, Lauren, we'll let you yep. get back to it. Good <laughs> Thank on you. you very much. Thanks, Thank mate. You. See ya. Kate's in Walpi up. Hi, Kate. Oh, hi, Rochelle. Um, I wanted to share my story. I met my husband about 12 years ago and we're on a dry land um, farm in Walpi up in northwest Victoria, um, which is about 500 kilometres from Melbourne, so it's a, it's um, quite isolating in that sense. At times, it's um, hundred hour and a half to our nearest cold supermarket, so it's a three hour round trip just to um, find groceries that you might need at times. So that certainly um, creates its challenges. But the we um, I guess when we first met, it was very much the farmer wants a wife. Not that we're on the show, um, but very happy um, and we're still really happy with two sons um, which is terrific and I have a really supportive um, family from my husband's side and also my family and I grew up on a farm at St Arnold um, so I, I sort of felt um, fortunate to have had that background because I think um, having come from the city I was working mm. in Melbourne when I met my husband at a major metropolitan hospital um, so too in governance, that was quite specific. 
Um, the isolation is an interesting point that you raise, Kate. I mean, an hour and a it, half to, to get to your local supermarket. I mean, something as simple as that, you know, whether you how organised you have to be or how you just make do or those things where you can't just pop down to Woolies and get whatever ingredient it is because you feel like making a curry tonight. You know, it's totally it, different. It is. And I. it's funny, I before I left Melbourne, I went um, and did some cooking courses just so that I didn't feel quite so isolated, I guess, living here. And um, when I chat with my friends in Melbourne and that's potentially another you know, you'll chat to them and they'll say, oh, I'm making such and such. And I do, I feel like I'd love some fresh fish or something that perhaps in the city, and I think um, Anne touched on that earlier, that we do take for granted. Um, and, and the planning, um, as you touched on, is something that we really, you know, I spend a lot of time planning for meals and having shopping lists, um, whether it be for Mildura or... Um, Oyen, which is our nearest um, supermarket. Um, and we're really fortunate, I guess, in this um, community that we live in to, you know, have some great local services in Oyen. Yeah. But, um, Lots of long-life is- milk in your cupboard as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, um, we're certainly... It, it does take it takes a lot of planning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kate, it's been lovely to hear your story. Thanks so much for calling. Thanks, Rochelle. Thank you. See, um, this text here saying, this is from a granny and there's a beautiful photograph of some cows here. It says, I started farming at the age of 60 and they're in South Gippsland. And what a beautiful part of the world that is. Women in agriculture, whether you're born into it, marry into it, or as you're going to find out in just a moment, many women that are starting out on their own, first-generation female farmers. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. And I guess today's sparked from the popularity of the show The Farmer Wants a Wife. It's given us good reason to talk about women in agriculture, not just marrying or being born into farming, but being a farmer in your own right. And there is a growing number of women of all ages and all backgrounds that are taking up a life in agriculture. Jackie Linares, her and her wife, Lil, started Lil's Yoki Doki on the Mornington Peninsula. Jackie... The reason why you started this, I guess, comes from tragedy, though, doesn't it? Yes, that's correct, Rochelle. Um, Unfortunately, we lost our daughter, Lil, um, three years ago, just before her 21st birthday. And it put us into a bit of a spin, but we really started to focus on Lil's bucket list and her dreams. And she was a a woman who told me every single dream she ever had, so I'm... The pasture-raised chicken farm started from her dream and, and Gab and I just um, threw ourselves into it and became farmers um, pretty much within weeks of losing Lil. I'm so sorry for your loss. I, I really am. Being able to start this business for her, you know, it's, it's yeah. her legacy. That must be what, what drives you, but it wouldn't make it any harder to, to I guess, just learn and, and learn from mistakes. Did you know what you were doing and did you know what you were getting yourself into? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think when you, you're in that, that grief and that, um, yeah. that moment of, you know, trauma, you, you were just driven. And, and I'm, I'm, in a strange way, I'm grateful that that drive led us to where we are because the path of farming for us has... Um, 
has given us a place to heal. We've created a beautiful product. We've created a space where all of our friends and family come together um, and remember Lil. Um, we've met so many beautiful people on the way and the Mornington Peninsula just supports us in, in such an incredible manner. And her spirit here, um, I think if I had said to Gab, okay, how about we start a pasture-raised egg farm, um, we probably would have procrastinated over it for years. You've always been, both you and Gab, really involved and passionate about the food industry and food education. You know, I think you're, was it, am I right in thinking that you're a part of Stephanie Alexander's Kitchen Garden Foundation, but you hadn't necessarily worked on a, on a farm before. But the idea of us knowing where our food comes from and local food, that's something that we've seen grow in momentum at a rapid rate, especially during COVID. Have you witnessed that? Oh, it's incredible. We haven't been able to keep up with demand for our product. People are so um, interested in where their food comes from and whether it's ethically produced and um, they want the best quality food. And the Mornington Peninsula and Gippsland, you know, are just such amazing food bowls. And, you know, there needs to be more availability of land for young farmers to contribute to this food yeah. bowl. See, that's interesting because there have been a few texts saying, yeah, this is all well and great, but you actually need millions and millions of dollars for land and for farming. And, you know, we're seeing farming land be purchased for huge amounts of money for housing estates and whatnot. But the, the, the acquiring of land is the trickiest part. That needs to change, doesn't it? It certainly does. We were lucky. We are leasing a property um, for our farm and um, Gab and I both have a vision, and a lot of people on the Mornington Peninsula do, we're not alone with this, is that there's a lot of lifestyle farms on the Mornington Peninsula, and we would like to be able to recreate our business and other farming opportunities and ask those people that have the lifestyle properties to sublet and allow young farmers to come on and farm the land that's supposed to be farmed. There's text here saying, uh, G'day, Rochelle, I've been asked twice to be the first out gay farmer for The Farmer Wants a Wife. I've turned them down every time for multiple reasons. I find this conversation a little bit sexist. What about gay farmers, male partners moving from the city? And that's from the gay dairy farmer is how he always signs off. But as two women, two married women moving to regional Victoria and starting farming and not having a lot of experience, did you find that you were able to just ask other farmers, to ask locals for help and assistance and that people let you ask those silly questions if need be? Oh, definitely. Um, we were very well supported. Um, we did have a few encounters with people that took advantage of us in the beginning. And, um, you know, that only happens once and you learn from that and you know what to look for. But as a community, um, we have been so well supported and encouraged. I think um, people are surprised we've lasted as long as we have. Um, you know, we, we like that. We like to surprise people and it, it, it's a hard slog being a farmer. It's yeah. seven days a week um, and, you know, we've got to collect eggs twice a day. There's two and a half thousand chickens waiting for us to to uh, look after them. So it's, it is a hard gig, but um, it's a beautiful space to work in. Yeah. How long, Jackie, did it take for you to say what you just said so easily then that I'm a farmer? Um, it was really funny just when you, you know, you fill in a form, occupation, farmer, I sort of had a little giggle to myself because that <laughs> never entered my mind in my life. Um, and now I'm quite proud of it. I'm yeah. really proud to put that down. And people look at you funny from, you know, oh, what do you farm? 
Yeah, I'm sure Lil will be incredibly proud of you as well. It's, it's an incredible yeah. thing that you've done. Thanks for talking Thank with you. us. Thanks for talking. Bye. See you. Jackie Linares. She started along with her partner, Gab, Lil's Yoki Doki. That's hard to say. That is that chicken farm on the Mornington Peninsula. Kate's in Echuca. Hi, Kate. Hi. How are you going, Rochelle? Good. What did you do? Well, a couple of years ago, we bought our first farm uh, in my early 50s. In your early 50s? Yeah. Congrats. So it's never too late. No. Never too late. What sort of farming? Uh, so it's broadacre farming, so it's pretty small in the context of broadacre. It's 116 hectares, but there's nothing like having your own name on a title of land. What were you doing before farming, Kate? Um, so um, I've been an agricultural scientist for, for over 30 years. In fact, I've just written a book, believe it or not. Um, so my, I've been doing ag consulting for a long time. Are you seeing a rise in young women wanting to start study agriculture? Yeah, I've asked this the other day. I think the numbers are pretty steady. Certainly at Longanon Ag College not so long ago, they had, um, for the first time ever, they had more women than, than men enrolled. Um, I actually think it's a double-edged sword. Part of me says the reason the women are going off to college and uni because they're still not being considered as the first option to take over the family Yeah, bar. right. I wonder how co- common that still is. Mm, I suspect there's a bit of that, but there's certainly a change and it's great to see um, more young women, you know, who are actually farming when, when I'm out and about doing speaking and training. Kate, thanks for calling. No worries, See thank Bye. you. Kay sent this text. The cut flower farming is a sector of agriculture that seems to be dominated by women. It would be great to put more of a spotlight on women in agriculture and other ag businesses run by rural women. I'm a start-up flower farmer near Ballarat. Well, we did an entire show on that, Kay. So I'm sorry that you weren't a part of it, but you can go back to the conversation hour if you just put in flowers, conversation hour, that particular program will come up. And there is some incredible work being done by men and women, but when it comes to the flower industry and some of the micro flower farming that's happening, it's incredible. Sally Air Smith is an organic garlic farmer. She's also a land care educator, but prior to that was a producer in the film and television industry. Rochelle, hello. When we spoke to Jackie earlier, her and her wife, Gab, started their business out of tragedy. And I'm not saying that yours was a tragic circumstance, but it was that you, along with your husband, who you just mentioned, Marcus, you made this decision because he actually got a diagnosis, didn't he? And you went, all right, well, if we're going to do this, let's let's do it now. So that was your impetus. Am I correct in thinking that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it was our impetus. I mean, yes. So, so, So he was diagnosed with uh, cancer. We had went through the surgery, and when we got through all of that, we just decided that yeah, I was working quite um, long hours in film and television. He was working as a builder in Sydney and Melbourne, and we just decided that it was t- it was time to do something different. And you know, we've always loved the natural world, so let's let's get out of the city and go and buy a piece of land and and see what happens. With no idea of how we would make an income, that that wasn't. We were kind of running away, I suppose, from a lifestyle in the city that we felt was no longer working for us because of our age and because he'd got so unwell. Uh, I don't, I don't think we would have come if, if you know, but that, that wouldn't. It, yeah. We wouldn't have come without that sort of reason to to be here. And um, 
it's it's just it's just been incredible. We've been here for fourteen years now, and um, you know we haven't we haven't looked back. It's like a whole new career. We've learned such an enormous amount together, living here and learning how to farm, and and now working a lot with young people and. Try, you know, hoping to inspire. Well, that's you know, the thing. I mean, yeah. and this is the the other part of the conversation that's come through today is looking at who's studying, who's training. You know, yeah. what are the new areas of agriculture, and in particular, what opportunities are there for women to break down those stereotypes? When you're out and you're talking to people, have you noticed a shift, or is it still sort of something potentially that young people aren't thinking about? Are, are young people staying on the farms? Are they moving away? Are, are young women being conce- being considered? as those that could carry on the farm as opposed to the, the sons? I, I've, I, I haven't noticed that so much, but in our area maybe there's less succession farming. But what I have noticed is that in the conversations now with a lot of young people that are moving into our area, um, it's, it's starting to be discussed no longer as something that you do as a failure in your life, which is sort of... You know what it's been. If you if you go to your parents when you leave school and you say I'm going to be a doctor or a lawyer, there's a big tick, isn't there? I mean, I'm, I'm, this is a sweeping generalisation. But if you said to added to that list or a farmer, I think the perception of a young woman wanting to be a farmer is not acceptable in our society. It hasn't been in the past, but I think that's changing, and I think it needs to change. I really think. Mm. We need to encourage and motivate and help educate and inspire young women to know that farming is a noble profession Absolutely. and that we that we must we must inspire them to seek it out if that's what they want to do and help give them pathways to do it without having to marry someone. <laughs> Sally, perfect, perfect line to end on. Thank you so much. It's been okay. really inspiring speaking with you. Thanks. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Sally S. Smith, she's an organic farmer. She's also a land care educator. And I have been inspired today to hear about all of the women of all ages, young, middle-aged and older, that are taking farming and doing it their way, uh, their style, and, and doing it on their own as well. That's it for the Conversation Hour today. If you've ever missed the Conversation Hour, please subscribe. Conversation Hour at the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want us to meet someone or talk about something, then you can email us, conversationhour at abc.net.au. Take care and we'll speak with you soon.